0: Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, and today I'm answering your questions. Anytime you submit questions on my social media page, they could end up on this podcast. Let's dive into today's question. We are back for another Q&A episode. I am... I'm just loving being able to do these because I know that they're going to serve at least the person that asked the question, but I also know the questions that I choose are usually questions that come up in some form or another through conversation. So this initial question actually came through TikTok and then was a more in-depth conversation through a consultation call. And I think it's such an important question. And what the question was is, how do I know when to set a boundary for my autistic child versus accommodating their needs and their skill set. So we're gonna dive into that. Of how do you know where that line is? So my first response to this mom was this idea of we need to understand what your child's developmental level is, not what their age is and what you might expect them to do, but where are they at developmentally? What skill set do they have? And one of the good ways to evaluate that is when they are completely regulated. What are they able to do? If you are working, for example, on them verbally communicating when they're regulated they definitely are not going to be able to use verbal communication when they are dysregulated. And for context, the nature of this question was talking about behaviors and challenging behaviors in particular. When do I need to accommodate versus when do I need to set a boundary? If you, for example, are insisting that your child verbally expresses something, but this is a growth area for them when they are already dysregulated, that is not a fair expectation. And so we do want to figure out some accommodation for that. That is the first tip that I have is understanding what your child's skill set is and recognizing too that their skill set at baseline is going to be different than their skill set when they're dysregulated. And this is true for all humans. As we start to get more dysregulated all logic goes out the window. And it's also hard to use skills that aren't fully developed yet and aren't fully part of their overall skill set. So keep that in mind. The second thing is I said to this mom, and I want to share with you is that question of is it a boundary or is it an accommodation that's needed right now is very reactive in nature. You are responding to your child. You are saying, okay, we are in the middle of say a meltdown or we're in the middle of something challenging. And you're going, do I set a boundary here as they're like losing their shit or am I accommodating something? And accommodation is such this fascinating topic because Depending the lens that we look at accommodation from, sometimes accommodation can be a great thing. Sometimes it can be a detrimental thing. Let me give you two examples. Accommodation in terms of your child's education and helping them to really have a way and modality of learning in order to thrive. Beautiful. Beautiful. If they need a fidget at school in order to self-regulate, yes, we want to make that accommodation. I'm going to point out something, though, real quick. That's a proactive accommodation. It's not a reactive accommodation. And I'll touch on that in a second. That form of accommodation is amazing. When I'm thinking as a clinician about accommodation from anxiety framework, for example, that if your child is very fearful of something and then we allow them to avoid that thing, that actually reinforces anxiety. And so that is more of a detrimental form of accommodation. It's not going to ultimately help skills progress. And so accommodation, generally speaking, is this blurry line. But here's what I'm going to tell you, and this is where the difference really lies, is you want to think about what accommodations you need to make proactively instead of reactively. So I already mentioned that that concept. What does that mean? Meaning you're understanding what you need to do to accommodate your child's behavior before the behavior actually happens. What is going to help regulate them, for example, in that moment? Can you give them fidgets? Do they have some sort of sensory swing, something like that? Are you also recognizing that maybe you reduce the amount of verbal expression that you're giving? If you're talking too much, they're shutting down and maybe you're giving them visual choices rather than saying, do you want Crackers, or do you want chips? And maybe they're already in this meltdown state or dysregulated state. That might be too much. So instead, an accommodation might be pulling out the crackers and pulling out the chips and going and showing them. Which one do you want? That visual. We're simplifying it. All of those are proactive strategies that we can think through that we know are going to be effective for the child. If you're doing accommodation reactively, if you're doing accommodation in order to end the meltdown or end the tantrum, and you feel like you're just like pulling in everything, that might be a form of accommodation that ultimately is just trying to solve the problem. It's trying to fix the problem in the moment. And so it's very reactive in nature. And so I want you to actually think through What are some things that are really effective strategies that are really effective for your child? Where can you accommodate? I've given a few examples of this versus that is also going to give you more clarity of when you set the boundary. For example, I love the idea of forced choices. This is something I work with parents a lot on of ultimately it's like, do you want the red shirt or the blue shirt? They're making a choice. And again, I love the visual aspect of it. They're still going to choose a shirt and put a shirt on, you're giving them a little bit of autonomy, but it's still giving them structure in this mix. And Here's the thing with this is that's an example of where you would set a boundary. You've made a proactive accommodation. If they're like, no, I don't want to wear a shirt. That's where there's other episodes on the motion regulation. I believe it's episode two and three. And then also listen to the ABC's episode, antecedent behavior consequences, and really diving into that. But this is where you might just Keep reminding them you have the choice, red shirt or blue shirt. And if you're just trying to be like, fine, no shirt, that would be an example of an accommodation that's reactive in nature and may not ultimately serve what you want and also serve your child's skill development. So that is where a boundary can be necessary. The other thing I do want to point out, and I think this is really an important piece of this, is your autistic child should still have boundaries. And I think that is really important. I I think sometimes the guilt can set in as a parent and feeling like, oh, no, am I being too harsh? Am I maybe I'm expecting something too high? Again, it's a blurry line. And I'm going to tell you, and I told this mama this, too, you're not going to be perfect in it. You're going to make mistakes. And that is okay. You're going to learn. But this is also where focusing on understanding your child's skill level and what accommodations are helpful ahead of time can be really, really effective in knowing, okay, this is a boundary I can set. You can almost pep yourself up, talk yourself up like, yep, this is really hard. But with your autistic child, it's not letting go of all boundaries. And I want to make that really, really clear kids thrive under boundaries, all kids do. And so we want to give them those boundaries so they know where the limit setting is. And that structure helps actually create more predictability over time. And as a result, they feel safer in that type of situation. The last thing that I want to talk about, and I mentioned to this mama too, is that sometimes this idea when you're really struggling, oh no, is this accommodation? Do I set a boundary here? It can come out of this very well-intentioned space of wanting to fix things and wanting to make things perfect, almost holding yourself to too high of an expectation. And so I just, I want to remind you again, I said this a little bit ago, you're not going to be perfect in this, but I want you to use that if you find yourself in that mental battle and the first two strategies of understanding your child's developmental level and understanding what accommodations they need proactively aren't working, you still find yourself stuck in this cycle. We call this a doorbell of awareness, meaning it's drawing your attention to it, that there's something that needs to be attended to. And it's easy to think that the thing that needs to be attended to is your child. But the strategies that I just gave they do work. And so if you still are in this push and pull, I want you to think about this as a place to lean in to your own personal journey, to your emotional journey that maybe you truly haven't fully accepted and acknowledged autism as part of your child's story. Maybe some of it has come, but then is there still this like mental battle, especially if you're feeling a lot of intense emotions over how to support them? I'm going to tell you your gut, your instinct knows how to support your child. And if you are constantly overthinking it, that's just an indicator that maybe you need to continue to process through. Okay. So- all the emotions that come with an autism diagnosis and really fully accepting that this is your child and that part of your child's identity is being autistic. I just want to tell you to wrap this up, that if you find yourself in reaction mode, though, trying your best not to judge yourself, not to shame yourself, ultimately, you're not going to be perfect. Use that as a way to lean in more to this process of understanding where developmentally your child is at what they are capable of, and where we need to make accommodations, as well as leaning into your own personal journey through autism and really fully coming to accept it. And what is necessary to fully accept this autistic identity for your child and acknowledge it is it takes work through those complex emotions. And I just think it's so, so important to remember that you can have really big emotions about your child's diagnosis and what it means for them. And that doesn't mean you love your child any less. You can fully accept your child and love your child and still not be there yet with the acceptance of the diagnosis as part of their identity. All right, y'all that is a wrap. And I look forward to getting more questions like this so I can answer them and really help walk you through this journey. See y'all soon. This episode was meant to be short and sweet. Full-length episodes air every Wednesday with many episodes like this sprinkled in between. So subscribe now so you don't miss the next one. And if you want to inspire a future episode, because that's how we roll over here, ask me a question on any of my social media pages for a chance to have your question featured. Bye y'all. And I'll see you soon.